What is happening, Foul Life podcast audience? Excited to talk about today's topic. I love food. I love hunting. I know. I love knowing where my food comes from. Fishing, hunting, gardening, raising our own steers with American ham and beef, chickens and pork and sheep. And I mean, we've done it all. Turkeys. We've raised a lot of animals over our short time here on earth. For me, it's getting a little bit longer time on earth. But man, just to be able to know exactly what's going on with the food. You know, sometimes when you buy it, there are places you can get a pretty good story behind it. A lot of online resources now, you can get a pretty good story behind how that food or that cattle or whatever it was that you're buying and eating and and preparing for your family and friends, the story behind it, it, you you can seek it out, but there's nothing better than honing your skill set, becoming one with mother nature, understanding the animals that you're pursuing, having compassion for those animals, respect for the resource, learning how to call, learning how to scout, learning how to live with them, you know, get in bed with them and understand all of everything that goes into their instinctual method of living. And we feel that we do a pretty good job at it. I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's a such thing as a professional hunter. I guess you can make your living in the hunting arena, but I'm just honored to be able to go out into the woods or the waters or the swamps and chase gators and turkeys and ducks and geese and deer and sheep and all of the things that we have been so honored to do over the years. And now we have this partner that today's episode of the Foul Life podcast is brought to you by. They've been a presenting sponsor here several times. Meet, meet your maker. Um, Y'all have seen it. You've heard about it. I know you're reading about it. It's hard for them to keep product in stock. And I'm going to tell you why. I'll tell you a little bit of a story before I introduce my guest. We were just in about five different states chasing the migration. And we would pull out our grinder made by Meat, Meet Your Maker. And people are like, what are you doing? We're like, well, let's let's go to town. This happening in about 14 states so far this season. And I know it's getting ready to happen in a couple more as we get into turkeys and snow geese. But they're like, what are you doing? We're like, all right, we're going to cut these breasts off and we're going to put them into this grinder and we're going to add a little bit of bacon or a little bit of pork butter, a little bit of pork fat, depending on what your local butcher shop has. Some people like my good friend, David Wise, he raises his own pigs and we've used a lot of his supplementary grindings for this process. But we take that meat off those can of geese. Everybody's like, can of geese? You don't eat can of geese. Yeah, you do. In the new provider cookbook, we have several great can of goose recipes. You got to be ingenuitive. You have to think outside the box. You got to be unorthodox in your approach. But We throw these goose breasts into this meat grinder. We add this fat. We add a little bit of our provider Sonora rub. At the same time, I got some tortillas rocking on the griddle, a little bit of Napa Valley olive oil in the skillet, a little bit of Parmesan cheese, green onion, maybe queso fresca cheese, whatever you got your hands on. Some duck camps are so remote, you don't get to have all this. But then I like put together these little street tacos with this Canada goose meat that was harvested that morning, cut off the bone that mid-morning. And now our camp is enjoying Canada Goose street tacos. And they're like, it's the best taco I've ever had. Whether or not it is, it doesn't matter. They're eating six, seven, eight of them in a sitting. So I know they're pretty good. Might not be the best taco known to man, but it's Canada Goose meat. And it's done within a matter of minutes. So my guest today, my man Ty from the company Meat. You guys are setting the hunting and fishing and outdoor world on fire you got to be proud and to be associated with this company you got the same hat on i do this is a badass brand my man welcome ty dude it's uh it's great to be here man i, I appreciate it I, I think from your your spiel there one of the the big uh 
takeaways I just had there was you, you said you don't know if they were the best tacos, but they sure felt like it because you had the connection. So that's what we kind of preach here. It's just like that whole process of going from field to table. It just, it makes a lot of sense. Like, like you said, it, maybe they're not the best, but they sure didn't t- taste the best when you know, right where it came from. Yeah. And they really are there. It's, it's unbelievable what we've done with snow geese. And the reason I talk about it, Ty, is that you get in a position in, in migratory bird hunting to where you have what you call daily bag limits. You have daily mm-hmm. possession limits. You have federal law on top of state law. You live in the great state of Missouri. I've hunted Missouri a ton from habitat flats with the one and only Tony Vandemore over to mound city, over to all the way down to St. Louis and the I 55 corridor down to Sykeston in Southeast Missouri over to real foot Lake in Western Tennessee. I mean, unbelievable spot for what we do. And you mm. might not, have the same limit in Missouri that you do out here in California. Like in California, you kill 10 specks per day per man and 20 snows per day in the fall. Don't know why they don't make it unlimited like they do in the spring. And none of that makes a lot of sense to me, (laughs) but let's say that you get, you go on a five day trip from Missouri to California and you get to, you're mopping them up, right? You're having unreal hunts. Mother nature's cooperating. You're getting the right temperatures, the right wind, the right sunshine, shadows, whatever it is. You got your three-day possession limit in three days, but you got two days left. Mm. I get out my grinder and I eat tacos that night. Keeping exactly. me legal. Yeah. Keeping me legal, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's what you were saying with all the different, you know, state and federal regulations per state. It it gets you, you gotta be on your toes there and making sure that you're you're abiding by those and, and if you can eat eat your way across the country, it kind of sounds like what you're doing. So <laughs> doesn't it? I mean, that's literally like we were yeah. we were in Nebraska we were in Nebraska last week and my good buddy Larry, he's we became fast friends. He owns Black Goose Outfitters. If I give you any advice to anybody listening and yourself, Ty, go goose hunting or duck hunting with Larry Freeman and and Ryan and the entire crew at Black Goose Outfitters in Nebraska. Unbelievable outfit. Um but he's like we're killing a lot of geese. And I'm like, I got the remedy, bro. I call these grinders the remedy. <laughs> yeah, I really do. And we're we're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot of other products that are offered in the line. But this is a remedy. This is like, well, what are you gonna do? And I'm like, okay, well, tonight we all we cook every day. We cook every night. I said, why don't we just bring the entire town of where we're at? He doesn't want me mentioned in this town, but why don't we just invite everybody you know? your landowners, all of your network that you want to thank and say and celebrate this unbelievable lifestyle of us hunting on their land, us being able to go into their establishments, whether it's a motel or a mini mart or a restaurant or a bar or whatever it is. Let's say thank you with an entire taco bar of wild Canada goose meat. These are graders. These are 12 pound giant Canada geese with wingspans like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and they are freaking giants. All right. People are like, you can't eat that, man. Those things don't eat good. Yes. There's so many great recipes. If you just think about, you know, what you want to do and the process that you want to take and the journey you want to take to get there. I I often talk and I was talking to Larry about visualization, Tyler, about how I start to visualize this during the hunt here. I'm visualizing what's going to take place in the hunt the night before the hunt. But as the hunt matures and we're killing some, I start to visualize what we're going to do with this meat. And that's what yeah. we did, bro. We got the grinders out and we had an NFL football player there. We had a NASCAR truck driver there, Tate Fogelman, Justin Smiley from the 49ers. Um, he's retired now, but an absolute stud of a person and an offensive lineman. Then we had Larry and probably 30 people at this dinner. Mm-hmm. Tortillas flying around like Skittles and people are filling it in there. And I'm not kidding you. They're saying it's the best taco they've ever eaten. Yeah. One of the, one of the, I'm going to end it by this. 
every single person at that dinner that night asked us how to get that grinder. That, that's, that's how awesome. cool. That's how. Yeah. That's how badass this product is. Well, you start building the community like that, and uh, I kind of another one of your comments there that just stood out to me was when you said you start visualizing what you're going to make and how you're going to present it. It's just like anything when you're scouting for the hunt. I start getting cooking plans in my head where it's like, Hey, I need to get this piece or I need to get that piece. And you almost plan it out like a scouting trip afterwards. It's, it's kind of like the, the pre the, the post scout is a, how you're going to make it into sausage or how are you going to m- make it into jerky? So, um, that's pretty cool. And just the community aspect, I think we do that well as hunters and kind of where the, the brand started is there's, there wasn't a ton of great options out there. They're either cheap and, and, and not good quality or they're way too expensive. So that's kind of with, with us as we're, we're hunters here. So that's kind of a unique spot about us in the processing industry is that we're, we're hunters ourselves. So we, we saw, we're, you know, we're proud to say that we're in the hunting community and uh, we saw that need because we're, uh, we're hunters as, as we were saying, hunters ourselves. So. Well, let's talk about, you know, the origins of this. And I know that you, you know, the, the, the secret to success in business is obviously to keep evolving and to keep adding quality products to your lineup and your offering. What do we have? Let's talk to the audience about what they're, they could go onto your Instagram and see some really cool content, get ideas for recipes and, and, and butchering and processing methods, but take us through from the grinders to the mixers to the trays, to the vacuum sealers, to the sausage accessories. Um, the, the, how do we talk about casings a little bit and how one might go about this process? Educate us a little bit on if somebody sat down with you at SHOT Show and you opened up the catalog and the entire arsenal of the meat company and brotherhood, what would we find there? Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll start with your grinders. When we initially launched, we launched with three grinders. So um, our goal is to become an all-encompassing from field to table. So everything you, that you need after you kill something to be able to process that and put that right into your freezer, whether that's sausage, jerky, um, grind, and all that stuff. So we'll start with the, the grinders. We started with three. This last four or this last fall, we added two more grinders. So we kind of have an option for everyone from uh, a mini portable one that you can use right in your kitchen to we have a half, three quarters, and one horse grinder. And then we have our big guy that you guys use a lot, the, the one and a half. So that's kind of our grinder lineup. And it, and there's something in there for everyone from uh, on the size size of it and then also price point. So we want to make sure that everyone has it accessible. So with our pricing, we're a, a direct-to-consumer brand only. We don't do anything retail. So where you get our product is at our website only. So um, kind of the unique thing with direct-to-consumer and why we can offer such you know quality equipment is because we cut out that retailer middleman. We just, you guys are getting the, the, the price that, that pretty much that we pay. So, um, so that's kind of the grinder set. Then we go into, we have mixers. So everything that you can imagine for making sausages, we got uh, a 20 pound mixer and a 50 pound mixer, two options there. Um, you use that to mix sausage. And then we have our sausage stuffer. So we have a stuffer line. We have two, two sausage stuffers in our lineup. Um, and then we also have your dehydrators for making jerky. And then along with making jerky, we got slicers and stuff like that for whole muscle jerky. We got a jerky gun for if you like the pipe jerky. Um, and then moving in, we're really starting in to get into more products that are on the on the table side of that. So we have some new products coming out in February. I think you've gotten a couple of them. Chad, I don't know if you've gotten to use your sous vide yet, but we're, we're coming out with sous vide options. So we kind of have a little bit of everything from 
processor to the, to your table because we want to make that connection too of of you know going out and harvesting it and then getting all the way to the table. I think there's just a a lot to be said with that full process. Um, Ty, were you like me growing up? Uh, and I mean this wholeheartedly. I'm very my godfather Lauren Biglieri is a six foot four hairy Italian butcher. And he is a badass butcher. When I would watch this man work his knives and lay this deer out or this, I mean, we, like you heard in the beginning of the conversation, the podcast, we raised a lot of our own animals. Mm-hmm. He'd come out. Yes, we killed him. And yes, we butchered him. And I was just like, God, I want to know how to do that someday. Mm-hmm. I want to know every part of this animal. And I want to know where to stick this blade in and how to get this tenderloin out and this back strap and this roast and this shoulder. Uh, and where do the ribeyes come from? And where's that New York? Where's what's a tri-tip? What's a, a Boston butt? You know, like all this stuff. I, I want, I was so envious. I don't know if you have envy for a good butcher, but I do. And this company makes me feel like I know what the heck's going on because of the pride. Yeah. And you, I don't know if you've heard any of the talks I've given on meat, but. I like the idea of taking it off that shelf, creating this masterpiece, cleaning it to perfection, and then putting it back up there. I, I relate it to farming. Farming is generational. You don't own that land. God does. Mother Nature does. You get to you get to take care and, and, and cultivate that land for a given amount of time. Then you put it back up on the shelf with pride uh-huh. and leave it for the next generation or the next family to come along and take care of that land. That's what this this is what this product does to me. That's how it makes me feel. So I don't know if you have uh, uh, the envy I do for a great butcher, but I absolutely love the idea that we can all do this now. Yeah, I mean, growing up for me, I definitely kind of had that envy. But I mean, I feel like I was fortunate. I grew up on a small family farm where we did our own custom beef. So I, I kind of have a, a background on that. My my dad was in the the butcher shop once a week doing the custom cuts for clients and stuff. So I have a little bit of the background and, you know, raising your own cattle, raising your own chickens and then doing the full farm to table thing there, too. So definitely I, I can't work a work a knife as good as a, a, a real butcher if you must. But um definitely that that whole sentiment i kind of liked what you were saying too about the you know being kind of stewards of the land is kind of what you were getting at and i think i've heard someone say it before but it's like it's not ours it's just our time kind of thing so um i always liked that saying yeah i do too and i think that the passion that a company or a brand like this allows you to do with the products that you just talked about um I think that if you really take it all in of what being a hunter or a steward of the land is, we have to really think about what it is, what we're doing when we pull that trigger, the responsibility that we're putting out there. You got everything that goes before that with the safety, the hunter education, the the respect for that resource of being able to identify the right animal. What If you're a whitetail hunter, what age is he? What are you supposed to be taking off this farm? How many does? You know, you're managing your herd, predator management. We're talking about ducks and being able to, to identify a canvas back compared to a redhead or a hen sprig compared to a gadwall. A lot of people struggle with a lot of this and it's because we don't understand the process the process is so important the trigger pull gets a lot of the credit right if we're not triggering or we're not sending arrows down down range then we're not happy if we're not killing we're not thrilled you know like you know piles make smiles we got to get away from that i understand I'm unapologetic about killing. I love that part of it. I love the idea that we can harvest our own bounty. But 
the process tie is so important. And to be able to take that process a step further now, this is what I'm talking about with this brand is that the process continues and it doesn't mm-hmm. stop with when you put that grinder up, you, you can take your sous vide out now and you can make an awesome meal through this. Or you yeah. take your Traeger and you could take some of that meat that you process through the meat products and and butcher with them and and make this meal. So the journey and the 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 whole experience, right? The process is what this lifestyle is all about. And meat makes it an awesome process. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, what you're seeing out in the community, this brotherhood that meets building, this culture that we're building together. What are you guys seeing? What are you hearing? And and how is that driving you guys to just completely, you know, complete, you know, develop awesome new products on a daily basis? I think uh, to, to kind of go with what you're saying is kind of what we're seeing is there's a lack of knowledge in general. So being able to educate people and then empower those people, because once you understand how to do the full process, like once you actually understand, you know, taking and grinding burger and then eventually serving that and and to your friends and family, there's a sense of pride there in that full process. So um, here at me, we try to educate because um, a big barrier to entry to getting your own meat processing equipment is just knowing where to even start. So um, if we can educate it, yes, at the end of the day, we do want to have sales and stuff, but that's not kind of our main, I, I feel like that's not our brand goal at the end of the day. It's to, it's, it's really to empower and educate. So that's what we're seeing as we put out more educational stuff. It's just going through that full process. It's, it's it was almost a lost art because this is how everyone used to do it beforehand. So, um, and I, I think it was another wake up call that people didn't exactly know, um, kind of with the, you know, the pandemic and stuff the last two years, uh, there, there was kind of a, a period in there where people couldn't get things processed. They couldn't get their own meat. Um, deer processing facilities are really over, you know, been overrun the last couple of years where they only take a certain amount. So um, getting a set of processing gear and learning how to, how to do it yourself um, has been a huge trend that we've, we've seen in it. And then that word empowering, I feel like is something that we've heard a lot. Um, I think the word is awesome. I haven't thought of it that way. And you mentioned the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, look, hunters are used to being by themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Duck hunters, maybe not as much, but we learn the, the ability to go in and stay secretive and stay by ourselves, stay segregated or stay uh social distanced. Right. I mean, we've been in so many up against the tree for a Turkey by ourselves. We've been in a deer mm-hmm. stand by ourselves. We've done it all by ourselves. Um, but what it taught us was we got to get in the backyard more. We got to get back mm-hmm. to grilling. Um, is is the hustle and bustle of Little League to ballet to football to this, to that, to this, to that? Do we really need it all? I think it taught families mm-hmm. to pump the brakes a little bit, slow down, and start to appreciate what we have right in front of us, right in our own house, in our backyard. And you're right. I had so many people come to, hey, man, you got any uh, – you got any meat I could borrow? They're, they're all out at the store. I know that you guys have freezers full of meat. Well, yeah, we got meat. Taste this. Whoa, what is that? Oh, that's wild. That's Miriam's turkey from Wyoming or Montana. How'd you get that? Then you tell them the story <laughs> about how it happened and they're like, oh man, I want to do that. So that's yeah. why that is a big reason why a lot of the big, the big surge in fishing and hunting went up is because people had, we got to learn how to feed ourselves. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have, no. there's our, our good friends, Whiskey Myers. We just hunted with Cody Cannon in Oklahoma, the, the lead singer, Whiskey Myers. He played some new songs for us, right? One of the lines is, hey, you're playing for fun. I'm playing to eat. Okay? That's what we yeah. do. I'm going out there to eat. And the pandemic taught us that. And it feels so good that people are like, 
man, I, I want to become a better griller. I want to become a better hunter or fisher or whatever it is. And I think that this product line is allowing them to get that empowering feeling and more so the confidence to do it. You know, you got a company like Traeger, right? Traeger makes a hell of a wood pellet grill. It's very easy to be successful on. No doubt about it. It's no secret. You mix that with now being able to say, well, that burger was made in my garage. Like that's a cool ass thing. And yes, yeah. I've been doing it for years because my godfather and my dad and everybody that came before my brothers, Clinton Clay and I, we've been seeing it done for years, but to be able to have the equipment now, this had, this used to, this process that we're envisioning now or experiencing now with your product, that it was only done in a true butcher shop back in the day. Yeah, no, and it's cool that you can, can bring that into your own home. So I know we're striving to every product we come out, we want to know how does this going to help someone or, or is this the next tool that they need to get and, and their lineup to be able to do um, a little bit something different than just, you know, doing the same old, same old. I mean, education again is a big thing. It's like, there's all the common misconceptions about wild game doesn't taste good. Well, it's like, you need to know what cut of meat you're doing. It's just all that knowledge of how to cook it too. So, um, and I think that's growing. I think as an industry whole, that is becoming wildly popular in the sense that people are intrigued to make that the best food that they have. So especially from a nutritional value too. A hundred percent. And you just said that it's like, if you're going to take the responsibility to kill an animal, right. And you are going to take that the next step with your company meat, and you're going to present this bounty on a table. I don't take that lightly, man. I like get mm -hmm. fired up. I start playing some good music. I might get me a little Jack Daniels or red wine. Yeah. And when I, when I, when I cook, I sip on something. I don't care. Like I I'm responsible about it, but I, I did it last night. I cooked with hall of famer, one of our good friends, George Brett last night on a tr We had four Traegers going with meat that we processed through your equipment. And we had an unbelievable time. So if you're going to take the responsibility say, oh, yeah, I'll cook for this dinner with George Brett and some friends. There was 55 people there, Tyler. That's we awesome. Could, we could have bit the dust, man. We could have failed, have people going, what in the freak are we eating? You got to take pride in that. The presentation, the, the the taste, the flavor profiles, everything that goes into it, the texture, the internal temperature. You start to really, you know, dig your fingernails into this process. You're you're not going to walk away by just saying, ah, that meat, that that wild goose meatloaf was okay no it's got to be dead on yeah, that's yeah what, I, I, i've that, thrown a lot of mills away bro sorry to cut you off i've thrown yeah. a lot of mills away and started over because i wasn't about to serve that yeah no i was just gonna add to last night i was doing uh the same thing i hate the common misconception on canada geese not tasting good made some jerky last night put a little of the sonora flavoring on there so use the use the slicer there and got some nice sliced whole muscle jerky um so yeah just living the lifestyle and, and I and I think that that whole lifestyle is key in this of of this partnership that we have because I I don't look at it as like hey you guys are giving us this product and paying us this money to be good butchers we we want to, you guys to look at us like hey that's an extension of who we are and that's mm -hmm. what this lifestyle and this culture of the hunting industry is all about we don't fake this I mean I promise you if you come here right now there's wild game getting ready to be served for lunch. For for breakfast today, I made the crew 4-H bacon, right? It wasn't wild oh, boar, nice. but it was raised by one of our family friends, slaughtered, and put in our freezer because we bought that pig at auction to support the 4-H. How cool, how much better of a lifestyle is there than being able to know that that kid raised enough money to buy that pig, invest in it, and then raise it all the way to show it at that fair, take it to auction, 
and now we're eating bacon on a, on a Thursday morning with farm farm raised eggs from my mom's property. I mean, that's the coolest lifestyle in the world, right? Yeah, and you just appreciate it more. I I've noticed too, as the more uh, I get into uh, trying to be very self sufficient, I'm not even trying to buy anything from the grocery store. Is you just waste a lot less too. I mean, there I know that I'm never going to waste anything in the sense of that I want to savor every bite. Um, there's not going to be a leftover that goes bad. Um, so I think that's something to be said too, is just like from con- a consumer standpoint is just, just cutting out waste in your life um, because you appreciate it. So I think it's a great, something really good. What you just said of like, we'll, we'll cook a meal and there'll be some of the weirdest things left over. And we'll be at a party and I'll see somebody going towards the garbage can with it. And I'm like, uh, and I'll clear my throat and I'm like, excuse me, not today. This is yeah. not going to happen. Well, what do you mean? I'm like, okay, just come over here in the morning and watch. And and I say that to say this is that we grew up, we, we didn't have money when we grew up. Okay. My mom and dad worked their asses off to raise us. Okay. Like a lot of families in this country, we were taught to eat everything put in front of us. We ate leftovers. Uh, my brothers and I will tell you stories of going to morning football practice or morning weightlifting class and getting done and going into this bag my dad sent us with. And it would have two pieces of wheat bread with last night's spaghetti in between bread. And and I'm like, oh, my God, this is embarrassing. This is going to and everybody would see it and I'd give them a taste. And then we became the talk of the locker room. Hey, Belding, you got any more of them spaghetti sandwiches? Like, that's what we ate. If we had it for dinner the night before, be rest assured it's in our lunchbox the next day. And that's my mentality still, Tyler. It's like, I'm not going to waste nothing. We killed those geese not to throw part of them away. We didn't kill that elk to, for you to throw that away. We could turn that into rendered fat. We could turn that into this. We could do that with eggs in the morning. Mm-hmm. You, you got to be thinking ahead and visualizing it. And that's, and I, and I'm glad that you said that because I don't, if you're taking their life, I don't want to be wasteful with it. Now, look, we have to talk about this because we just talked about that. When I kill a duck, I'm not always going to pluck it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I might not need the legs off of a teal or a mallard every single time. I, there's not a lot of, of meat on the back of a duck. Okay. The meat is in the tenderloin up against the breastplate bone and the breast meat. That's where the meat is on duck. So when people see us butchering animals in different ways, I'm tired of the comments out there like, hey, man, when we do it, we do it this way. I'm like, I get that. And if I was killing a couple geese a week, we would pluck them. If they're speckle bellies, I pluck every speck we get. If we don't pluck them, we shave the breast meat off with the skin on. We pluck the breast and then we keep the skin and fat on. Speckle belly is my favorite wild game, better than elk in my opinion. But that's all opinion, obviously. But I don't want people to think like you got to always say something if somebody's not doing something your way. If you see me cutting breast meat off of the bone, I promise you we have full intentions for what we're doing. We know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I, there's a lot of time I'll chop the legs off and start a gumbo roux with them, right? We'll brown the speck legs or the, 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 the Canada goose legs or even snow goose and mallard legs to start a, a gumbo roux. Okay. I, I want you to talk on that a little bit about today's cl- culture, the climate, the environment of inner fighting with hunting and something simple as our butchering techniques might not be what you do. But you got to keep in mind that we might not have been raised like you. We might be killing a a, a ton of geese every week and we're not going to pluck every single one of them. We're abiding by the law. We're doing what we're envisioning and what we want to cook with. 
so let's just drop the the ego a little bit and not judge everything that you see on social media and jump the gun or like, oh man, y'all are being wasteful because you're just cutting the breast meat out. How do you know that's not just the part that we filmed and we didn't go chop the legs off after? Like there's too many assumptions. Do you agree? Oh, I definitely agree. I think um, there's there's steps when you get get to that. There's the number one is always legal method of take and and abiding by your your game laws. That's that's that doesn't really need to be said, but sometimes in today's society you have to you have to say that. But I think it just is an approach thing. Is as as, as a community we need to just be a little bit better about uh, maybe being more like not again knowledge based. I, I I say that a lot on on here, but knowledge based in the sense of like, hey, here's a way that you could do it. But yeah, no, I don't think you need to poke fun at anyone or, or tell people they're wrong it, and it just it's just a presentation and an approach way but i definitely think as hunters we need to you know from from the way we cook things to to the, the method of hunting and, and what you like to hunt and how you like to hunt with your friends and family um just being a little bit better about how you present yourself and not come so standoffish as, as your ways are better because people are raised different all over the the country so and i think that as, as long as it's legal and it's ethical I don't agree with some parts of hunting. Okay. I don't think you should hunt turkeys with a bow. And I know that people look at me like, who are you to tell me? I'm just saying a turkey was put on earth to be shot with a 12 gauge, maybe a 20 gauge with TSS, but a bow. No. Now people are going to write in and say, well, you're an idiot for saying that. I'm not saying that because it's the end all. I'm just saying that's my opinion. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get, get on you for doing it because I've seen a lot of cool guys, a lot of good turkey hunts harvested very well with a bow, but they weren't meant to be hunted with a bow. I know that you might disagree. Maybe you're in Missouri. You might love that. I don't get into it, but it's legal. It's ethical. If you kill them quick, mm-hmm. go do it. I'm not going, yeah. as long as you're hunting and you're doing it the right way, let's be, let's be supportive of each other. Right. And if it goes all the way down to butchering, man, I've seen people <laughs> doing things to where I'm like, dude, I don't think you've ever used a knife, but I don't get on there and go, man, you really, you just can't. You can't, you got to understand the underlying story and the history of that before you jump to any kind of conclusion with any kind of opinion in this space. Yeah, we were, that's funny that you say it like that too. We were, we were down in Texas. uh, We do an event where we bring together different men from all walks of life. We have, we have chefs, we have hunters, we have, you know, uh, rifle companies there. And it was cool to see different perspectives on how someone would approach breaking down a full animal as being a wild game chef. And then we had, a uh, he's, he's a good friend of mine and his name is Cosmo. And he, he broke, he worked in a butcher shop in Chicago for years and he showed us a completely different way to do it and it was funny we actually had a, a teacher there and then cosmo became the teacher because he's like hey here's another way to do it so it it was cool to see we literally had four or five different views on on how to do it and it all kind of had the same end result anyways but it was just unique on how he's like but this is how i like to cook it so it's like yeah that's awesome to be able to to learn more it's just adding to your arsenal yeah and i think that there's if you really get into it there's so many things you can do with the full animal you really can. I've learned so many stories from being around people that came way before me on uh, things like walruses and how walruses are taken care of when they were killed up north on the glaciers and how and what the natives did with them. It blew my mind. Literally blew my mind how they eat these eat these how they store them and how they prepare them and how they're eaten. And I, I would be like, you got. I would never do that. I mean, people could watch Steve Rinella and be like. Dude, you don't eat mountain lion. Stop trying to make people think you eat a coyote. Like, stop. Maybe he does. Maybe there is a good way to make a coyote taste. It ain't for me. I've killed a lot of coyotes. I call a lot of coyotes in in the last two decades. 
I don't eat coyotes. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I do to make it sound like I eat everything I kill. It's predator management. I'm not going to eat a coyote, Tyler. I don't know if <laughs> you will, but I'm not going to. I'll let uh, Steven, uh, Steven or Remy. I think Remy was on that one with them. I'll let those guys eat coyotes. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not about that, but I, I'm I'm for science too. So I'm I'm about the predator management. So <laughs> uh, I'm glad to hear that. And you mentioned Remy Warren, great friend of ours. Um, he's been here many times using your product with us and and making his favorite thing to make is street tacos. I mean, that dude is for small as he is, he could eat street tacos. I think he did nine one day and David Wise did a dozen um last time we did it. I, I can't wait to send you this link today, but um, David Wise, uh, do you know David? I lost you. I lost you. If you can hear me, I think something got turned off. Oh, but here I am. There you, are. No. Yeah. you know David yeah, no. Wise? Oh, I know. I I don't know him personally, but we we got him a full setup, so I think he's he's happy with the meat equipment. So yeah, man, he's this this link I'm going to send you. He's up in Utah training for the World Championships. He's just going to the Olympics now. Um, he's in Utah in the half pipe, and I call him. I said, Hey, we got an unbelievable late season goose hunt that's starting to build in northern california he'd already told me hey if you get me one more hunt before i leave for sweden or wherever he was going i'm there i'm like well he ain't gonna come and i'm gonna let him know so i call him I'm like dude there we're gonna kill him he gets off the half pipe gets to the airport in salt lake city flies into where we're at rents a car drives up to where we're at the first day's a bust like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I brought him all the way down. Remy, Remy comes over. We all meet at this place. The first day, bro, we got it all wrong. I mean, we met, we, if there was a mistake to make, we made every single one of them. Okay. And I had to talk him in because we found the X. I'm like, we're going to get him tomorrow. So now he's got to have confidence that, well, maybe I'll, he stays another day out of the half pipe, spends the night. We mop him up. We kill like 120 snows and specks in this, in this late season goose hunt. And, um, the last part of the episode is us in the in the shop with the grinders and all the meat product, and we're we literally take it from out we we take it out of the grinder into the mixer, out of the mixer into this cast iron skillet that's warming up on our Traeger at four hundred fifty degrees or something, and bam, the whole end scene is David and Remy having a taco Kobayashi style taco eating contest, pretty much in, in our in our property, and it, that's what it's all about. That that whole yeah. story came to fruition because Remy's like, dude, I can mess up some street tacos, and David's <laughs> like, so can I, and our whole crew here, all of our producers and everybody love tacos. So if you got a bunch of extra meat, you know, on a steer. On a steer, you get about 220 pounds of ground. After your ribeyes and your tri-tips and your roasts and your sirloins and everything's cut out, you get about 220 pounds around average, 200 to 220 pounds. Dude, what about an elk and a deer? You're going to have a ton of ground. Mm-hmm. Get creative with this stuff. Get these grinders. Make If you don't want to eat a bunch of roasts in a crock pot or one of these steamers or whatever you use, turn it into ground and make mm-hmm. all these sausages and all these chorizos with it through this meat process. It's awesome. On your on your tacos there, do you just grind it once with the core so it kind of keeps them in big chunks for those tacos, or is that is that your go to method? With the la- in Nebraska the last week because we yeah. misplaced our fine, we left it in Oklahoma, which is, mm-hmm. I might have to hit you up for one. But uh, <laughs> I know a guy. I, I love I love the course. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do find that I get kind of fired up when we rerun it. So what we did, and here's what we did in Oklahoma. Everything was it got shut down for storms. Right, the whole area. So we didn't have any fat. So we grind it coarse, just all the goose meat. We vacuum seal it all. We mark it on video, uh, Oklahoma, Canada, lessers, no fat added. 
So then we get up to we we go up to Wyoming. We tra- we bring all these meat up there, all labeled, all tags, everything filled out. We get to a store, bam, we fine grind it now with um we we fine grind it with I I I I got to make this. I want to make sure that this story is correct. That's not the correct story. Two days later, the store is open in Oklahoma, and we found and we did. I'm doing so much grinding. I'm getting my stories mixed up. But we get we find some fat. We go back, open up those vacuum sealed packages now we fine grind that course through with with the fat and it comes out looking just like a professional butcher shop that's what gets me fired up about that fine grind because it looks like Mm -hmm. what you would buy at the store yeah no that that that's awesome that's that's empowering that it's like like you just said you can find this at the store it's just you can find it at the store but it's you, you know exactly where the meat came from so that's that's awesome that fires me up too just being able to if you can kind of somewhat replicate that's how i like to do all my whole muscle as well it's like hey i want to i want to separate all my muscle groups how you would find it in the store so then it just helps me cook better too um, when it comes to tenderness and it doesn't need a, a dry cooking method or doesn't need a, a wet cooking method so um that that's awesome to hear that you guys are this exact same way so one thing that i want you to look in for me and I need your help in this ties because as we educate people on this product, this question arises a lot in migratory waterfowl to transport waterfowl. You're supposed to leave a wing on across state lines. So if you do, if a game warden asks you to see your bounty, he can identify that. Oh, that's a can of goose. Oh, that's a, mm-hmm. a swan, whatever you're killing. If you process it, there's laws out there that say once it's processed and the fats add and it's put in the freezer, it's no longer part of, of, of that you can transport it you can go get your more possession limit more daily bag limits it's it's been processed right now mm-hmm. if you do this through a house if you go to like a plucking house and you have that's the only way that that counts um against your you know your possession limit is if it's processed and it's labeled from a certified licensed plucking house or processing house okay mm-hmm. i want to know what the laws are when you process your own if you grind up your goose meat one day because you're going to make street tacos and then you're going to have some left over to freeze can you transport that processed goose meat across state lines even though it's you know it's been wings are off it's processed it's been fat added it's been seasoned it's been labeled on the meat bags which your bags are awesome by the way big part of this of being able to have enough label space to know what you're eating what is legal on that i want to know I want somebody to reach out to me and educate me. If I kill a bunch of geese in Nebraska and we grind them up and we have, and we eat a bunch of them, but we take some of that home, are we in trouble for process, for carrying that ground up processed goose meat across state lines? It's a good question. That is a good question. I've heard you bring this up before and I I have not gotten that answer yet either. I, I, I waterfowl hunt quite a bit, but I have not done the multi-state thing. Like, like you, you and your crew. So that is definitely one. I mean, you hear from everyone that it's always depends on which game warden you ask. Um, and you could get 20 different answers, but I think just building those relationships with your local game warden and, and just really trying to learn and understand as that as well, that's, that's definitely something that I will definitely look into. So, cause I could, I could see their point is like, Hey, well, how do yeah. I know those are all Canada geese? How do I know you didn't kill a hundred mallards and grind them up and put a bunch of fat in there. There's a lot, there's a lot that goes into that. Like I, I, I want to be able to send a hunter home mm-hmm. with some of that meat that we just killed that we were able to process in the shop that night. But are we breaking the law 
by him putting it in his truck and driving from Nebraska to Kansas and, and, and going home and putting that in his freezer? That's the question. Yeah, that is interesting because at what, what point is it still the goose? And now what point is it a sausage? You know, so yeah, that is definitely an interesting question that I've heard you bring up. And I don't know if I've ever heard a clear answer on that. So I'm going to get we, we need to work together on getting a clear answer. Yeah, I that'd think be, this, a, that'd I be think, a cool project that we should do together. I do. I think it is because yeah. I think meat, I think meat takes responsibility for stuff like this because we are using your product out here and we don't want to get so gung ho of like, Oh yeah, take this meat home. We just processed it. And then they get pinched for, for not being able to identify what the bird really is in that pork mm-hmm. fat. It's a big deal. Yeah. I don't want to ever get, see people. And that's a big part of waterfowling and why there's not as many duck and goose hunters. I know that the investments there, I know that the weather sucks, but it's hard. It's very yeah. difficult to be successful. And there's then there's add, some barrier of, en- barrier of entries there. Yeah. Huge. And, and, and identification and all the laws, federal and state level laws, are a big intimidating factor in waterfowl hunting. One of these, this one we're talking about right now is one of them. So anyway, yeah. let's talk off camera and off, off microphone and figure out how to get the right information to people so we can all be confident in our butchering and processing methods. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on board for that. Tyler, this brand is awesome, dude. We're excited as heck. We love it. We take a ton of pride in it. We can't wait to work with you more. Um, how do we go out of this? Do Do you want to give us any hints on anything else we can expect? Um, you have some awesome bone saws. Yep. Um, what else are we going to see the meat company getting into? Is there any little tidbits you can give us? I know we, we touched on the sous vide coming out the end of February 2022. What else you got for us? Yeah, I think that's the the big one um, that you can see soon. Um, we're, we're just going to continue to build out our line too. So um, I won't give away too much, but we'll, uh, you'll continue to see, we're going to, again, we're, we're hunters ourselves. So as we see like a missing spot in, in our processing thing, we're going to try to develop it. So, um, we're, we feel pretty lucky here at meet that we, we have a couple guys on the brand team and we have some engineers and, and we have a whole in-house team. So, um, it's, it's definitely a, a luxury that we get to have here at meet and we're always striving for that next thing. Are you going to come down to Nashville for NWTF and hang out with us? I don't know if I'll be there or not. I Why think not? I'm going out to Western Hunt Expo for sure. So I'll be out when there. It, I don't know if you guys do that. So. That one's the week before. Is that it? one that one we I want to go on. I want to go up to Salt Lake, but we have the Nevada Youth Hunt that same Saturday. Mm. And I gotta I gotta see my daughter pop some twenty gauges. Well we'll 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 have to plan something. I I, I need to try these famous street tacos, I think. Yeah, well yeah, let's get let's get on a goose camp. Let's get a I got some goose dates coming up maybe in March I'll throw at you. I'll talk off microphone and get your number. We'll stay in touch and uh and we'll get a uh we'll get a game plan going for maybe a snow goose hunt or a turkey hunt and figure out some good recipes. Sounds good, guys. I appreciate it. Tyler, you the man. Instagram is what? Meet your maker. Yeah, uh made with me is the <laughs> Instagram uh website meet your maker. So this gets a little confusing for me because I get them mixed up all the time. Yeah, it's meet your maker on the that that's the name of the brand. That's uh the website and then it's just made with meat on instagram so check them out made with meat on instagram meetyourmaker.com i'm i'm testifying right now i'm validating <laughs> this product line these grinders oh, all everything's awesome don't get me wrong every level of vacuum sealing the 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 tumbling the tumbling and mixing process that they have it's just a it's just a, a very well thought out sought out brand and I, I i would guess that somebody in the ownership group or founder group is a butcher i don't know for sure i know they're hunters but somebody's got to have some butcher chops on them this is a badass product line we're so honored to be part of the make your made with meat family meet your maker family it's just meat m-e-a-t i'm wearing the shirt right now the hat we 
we absolutely love everything they stand for. Tyler, thank you for being here, brother. We'll talk to you soon. All right, later. That's another episode of the Foul Life Podcast brought to you by our friends at Meet. Made with Meat. Meet your maker. Absolutely love everything we're getting out of it. We'll be back with another episode of the Foul Life Podcast soon. In the meantime, check out this song right here. This is My Foul Life written by yours truly and performed by the one and only rock band legends out of Idaho Falls, Idaho, 2AM Logic. Y'all take care. 